The Daily 202's Big Idea is supported by Battelle. For 90 years, the employees of Battelle have solved the world's most challenging problems, finding solutions and really big ideas. At Battelle, it can be done. Learn more at battelle.org 90. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, September 18th. In today's news, Mike Pompeo is making a spur-of-the-moment trip to the Middle East as Iran rules out talks. Israel's do-over election leaves both major parties well short of a majority, prolonging uncertainty over Bibi's future. And Corey Lewandowski spends five testy hours on Capitol Hill. But first, the big idea. Bulldozers and excavators rushing to install President Trump's border barrier could damage or destroy up to 22 archaeological sites within Arizona's Organ Pipe Cactus National Monument in the next few months. That's according to an internal National Park Service report obtained by The Washington Post. The administration's plan to convert an existing five-foot-high vehicle barrier into a 30-foot steel edifice could pose irreparable harm to unexcavated remnants of ancient Sonoran Desert peoples. Experts identified these risks as U.S. Customs and Border Protection seeks to fast-track the construction to meet Trump's campaign pledge of completing 500 miles of barrier before next year's election. Unlike concerns about the barrier project that have come from private landowners, churches, communities, and advocacy groups, these new warnings about the potential destruction of historic sites come from inside the government itself. The National Park Service's 123-page report, which my colleagues Juliet Eilperin and Nick Miroff got their hands on yesterday, emerges from a well-respected agency within the Interior Department. These are nonpartisan career professionals. While the government scrambles to analyze vulnerable sites as heavy equipment moves in, the administration also faces external challenges seeking to block the use of eminent domain to seize land, as well as mounting lawsuits asking courts to halt work in and around wildlife refuges and other protected lands. But the new construction already began last month within the Organ Pipe Monument, which is an internationally recognized biosphere reserve just southwest of Phoenix. With the president demanding weekly updates on construction progress and literally tweeting out drone footage of new fencing through the desert, administration officials say that they feel that they're under extraordinary pressure to meet Trump's construction goals. The Department of Homeland Security is taking advantage of a loophole in a little-known 2005 law to waive several federal requirements, including the Archaeological Resources Protection Act, the National Historic Preservation Act, and the Endangered Species Act. All three of these laws could have slowed and possibly stopped the barrier's advance in the biosphere. The Oregon Pipe Cactus area has been one of the busiest this year for migrant border crossings. The influx includes large groups of adults and children walking through the desert to surrender to U.S. agents typically seeking humanitarian protections and asylum. That's why Trump is trying to build a fence in this area. Meanwhile, the administration is setting up tent courts to conduct virtual asylum hearings. The Trump administration has budgeted $155 million to operate five temporary courts along the length of the border. The overarching goal is replacing the asylum processing model that Trump has disparaged as catch and release. 
by routing migrants directly from official border crossings into adjacent court complexes. U.S. authorities can fulfill the legal obligation to give asylum seekers access to the U.S. court system without letting them physically access the United States. To deter people from trying to stay in the country, the Trump administration is also moving forward with plans to increase the fees for immigrants appealing their deportations ninefold. A draft Department of Justice regulation leaked to BuzzFeed yesterday shows that the feds are moving to increase the cost of an appeal from $110 to $975. Now, you and I can find that kind of money, especially if we're in a pinch. But a lot of these undocumented immigrants can't. They don't have it. And that's the point of raising the cost. This is the latest example of the nativist hardliners inside the administration gaining more power. And they're continuing to consolidate that power. Last night, the White House fired John Mitnick, the general counsel of the Department of Homeland Security. His job has been to raise red flags about the legality of some of what the president has been trying to do. The White House this year has turned DHS into a revolving door of officials, creating a void of permanent leadership, which enables, frankly, the hardliners in the West Wing. The New York Times reports that Stephen Miller's fingerprints are all over this, despite the White House insisting publicly that's not the case. The Times adds that the White House is sending a Trump loyalist from the White House Counsel's Office to take over legal operations at DHS. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this hump day. Number one, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is en route this hour to Saudi Arabia to discuss a response to the attack on Saudi oil facilities after Iran's Supreme Leader ruled out any talks with the U.S. Pompeo's trip underscores the danger that tensions with Iran could spiral into a military conflict. U.S. forensics experts have been dispatched to Saudi Arabia to assist in an investigation of where the projectiles originated, and U.S. officials say the kingdom may ask the U.N. Security Council to condemn Iran if it's proved to be responsible. The Saudi Defense Ministry announced that it will hold a news conference later today to present what it called material evidence that Iran was involved in what it's calling a terrorist attack. Pompeo's whirlwind visit will also allow him to discuss ways to respond to Iran's actions in the region, including its support for the rebels in Yemen, known as the Houthis, amid a Saudi-led bombing campaign with U.S. support that has killed thousands of Yemeni civilians. Number two, both main parties in Israel's do-over election are locked in a dead heat, with more than 90% of the votes tallied. The inconclusive result will almost certainly trigger weeks of political infighting, the same uncertainty that set this unusual process in motion in the first place. As the results continue to trickle in, both Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, the leader of Israel's ruling Likud party, and his chief rival, Benny Gantz, head of the centrist, secular, blue and white faction, immediately began jockeying for the endorsement of smaller parties whose support could propel either one to a ruling majority of 61 seats in the Knesset. Get this, right now, With results where they are, the two main parties have an estimated 32 seats each in the new parliament. At the center of the stage is the unlikely figure of Israeli President Reuven Rivlin, who in the coming days will offer either Netanyahu or Gantz the first chance at forming a government. Rivlin gave no indication last night as to which way he would go, but he did choose Netanyahu after a similar inconclusive vote in April. When Netanyahu failed to form a coalition after the vote, He triggered this unprecedented second election. Now, Likud operatives, people who work for Netanyahu, are discussing the prospect of a third vote in the months ahead. In a statement, Rivlin's office made clear that a third election must be avoided at all costs. 
Number three, during his five hours yesterday afternoon before the House Judiciary Committee, Corey Lewandowski refused to answer questions. He talked over lawmakers and he mocked Democrats. He even promoted his possible Senate bid in New Hampshire. Democrats subpoenaed Trump's former campaign manager to learn more about his testimony to former special counsel Bob Mueller in that probe of Russian interference during the 2016 election. Instead, they got a front row seat to the Lewandowski show, a performance that was clearly aimed at an audience of one, his former boss. Trump, who was watching on Air Force One, applauded Lewandowski on Twitter, writing that he gave a beautiful opening statement. But Lewandowski's defiance and disregard for the Democratic impeachment inquiry prompted a contempt threat from Democrats. The hearing also, and it's important to remember what the actual news of the hearing was, produced confirmation from Lewandowski of one key element in the Mueller report. Under intense questioning from a Democratic lawyer, Lewandowski affirmed that the president personally asked him to persuade then-Attorney General Jeff Sessions to limit the special counsel's investigation to future election interference. Lewandowski never delivered that message, the Mueller report found, instead passing it off to another Trump official who refused to show up after being subpoenaed for the hearing yesterday. Lewandowski testified that he went on vacation and merely ran out of time, and he said he didn't not deliver the message because he worried that Trump's request was illegal. But if Democrats were hoping to elicit more information about the episode to build their impeachment case, Lewandowski dashed those hopes. Under questioning, he routinely asked for page numbers, feigned ignorance, and otherwise dodged questions. Expressing his frustration about how hard it was to get anything out of him, Congressman Hank Johnson, the Democrat from Georgia, told Lewandowski that he was acting like a fish being cleaned with a spoon. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, September 18th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.